0: Let's, uh, let's have a word of prayer as we begin. Heavenly Father, we thank you just that we can be here today, and it's just a wonderful privilege to be with fellow believers that we can just encourage one another, but more than anything else that we've come to, to give praise and honor to you. And so Lord, as we look into your word today, I just pray that our hearts are open for what you might have for us, and Lord, that it won't just be uh, a message, but it'll, we can apply it to our lives as well. And so, Lord, again, we just thank you again for this day. In this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we're working through our uh, study on the book of James, we're, we're kind of nearing down a little bit. But, uh, today it's kind of a rough, uh, a rough go. There's two verses that we're going to deal with. And so if we look at the first uh, two verses of James, It says, Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Such a pleasant topic that we get to talk about. Now, back in the 1960s, How many remember the 1960s? I do a little bit. I remember Leave it to Beaver and uh, some of those shows. But there was a book written by um, Eric Byrne called Games People Play. And then a couple years later, another book came out that said Games Christians Play. And it dealt with games that Christians kind of play in the name of the Lord. So today we're going to talk about, I think, one of the deadliest games that's around, and it's the game of playing God. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister judges them or speaks against the law and judges it. It's interesting. James says that we're trying to play God many times when we try to judge other people. So I want to look at today why we judge other people, why we shouldn't judge people, and when is it wrong to, to judge other people and how do you break the habit of judging? So are we all excited? If that doesn't get you, just remember this it's Kathy's Clemens' birthday today. So and I'm not judging you, Kathy. I'm just telling you the truth. So we're gonna be a lot happier with our lives after we deal with this issue. In Romans 2.3 it says, So when you, a mere man, pass judgment on them, and yet do the same thing, do you think that you will escape God's judgment? Paul tells us in this passage the reasons that we tend to judge other people is a lot of times to excuse our own faults that we have. Many times people think that by pointing the finger at somebody else, God's going to forget what we've done. Or when you point out how somebody else has fallen, maybe we don't look so bad. It's kind of interesting how we think sometimes. So sometimes we use judging as an excuse to blame other people. Because we like to, this is human nature, we love to accuse other people and we like to excuse ourselves. Just stating the facts. So how do we do that? How do we excuse our sins? And a lot of times we excuse our sins by relabeling them. I'm not gossiping. I'm just sharing a concern. That sounds pretty Christian, doesn't it? Because when somebody's gossiping, man, we're usually all ears. We can't wait at what's being said. And the reason is, we have this natural, innate ability of gossip because we get very curious. I think everybody has some kind of problem in this. It comes naturally. There's a lot of slander that goes on because we like to hear it. But you know what Christian slander is, don't you? Christian slander is when we say... I'm sharing this with you so that maybe we can pray about this together. See, we've got this Christian lingo that we can do. So why should I not judge other people? James gives us in this passage three reasons why we shouldn't judge other people. First of all, it's unchristian. That's just a fact. Verse 11, it says, Brothers, do not slander one another. It goes on to say, Anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him speaks against the law. Another reason we shouldn't judge is it's unloving. It says, who judges speaks against the law. Is he talking about being illegal? No, he's talking about the royal law that God has. He's talking about love your neighbor as yourself, the law that God has given us. Another reason we shouldn't judge is it's unjustified. He says there's only one lawgiver and one judge. The word lawgiver is used six times in the Old Testament. And it's only used once in the New Testament. The six times in the Old Testament refer to God. The one in the New Testament refers to God. Only God has the right to judge. It's in a sense in God's job description. It's not in our job description. God has not commissioned any of you, any of us, to talk to everybody about everybody else. There's not a special gift that you might feel that God has given you that you can do that. It's not there. So, when is it wrong to judge others? There are seven places in the Scripture where it says that it is wrong to judge. Now the Scripture does say that there there are certain places that we're to judge certain things. We're to judge ourselves many times. We're to judge certain matters, but there's seven times in Scripture we're told not to do this. Romans 2, verses 1 through 3, talks about how it's wrong to judge other people when I'm practicing the same sin. We don't have a right to speak up on it if I lack personal integrity. If you're guilty of the same thing that you're accusing someone else at, you better watch out. Remember what Jesus said to the Pharisees when they had that woman that was caught in adultery? He said, He who is without sin cast the first stone. Do you remember what they did? They all walked away. That's what God is saying here. We don't have the right to judge anyone else if I'm guilty of the same thing. Another thing, and Jesus is talking in with his famous Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7. And he's saying it's wrong to judge when it blinds me to my own faults. If judging you causes me not to look at myself realistically, then it's wrong. The inevitable result of being a judgmental person is in verse 2, in the same way you judge others, you'll be judged. So if you're critical to, to other people, You'll be criticized. A third reason. In John chapter 7, verse 24, Jesus says, Stop judging by mere appearance and make a right judgment. So it's wrong when you draw conclusions based on someone's outward appearance. Now think about it. We tend to make our first impression when we meet people by the way that they look, right? Nobody's going to admit anything today. Okay. <laughs> the first, they say the first 15 seconds that you meet somebody, you form an impression about them. Most of the time we do it by the way that they look. What's their hair like? <laughs> do I need to go on? Okay. But we tend to judge people. We size them up, you know. I better, I better quit. That way, I could do that. (laughs) Um, The fourth thing. Out of John seven fifty one. It's wrong to judge someone. When you condemn them before you hear the facts. It's very unwise to make a judgment about somebody before you know all about what's going on in their life. All the facts of the thing. If you study Scripture, you'll find that even if your conclusions are right about that person, you might still be wrong because you're getting it without the facts. You might have got lucky once in judging them right. It's still wrong. The fifth thing is out of Colossians 2.16. Paul says it's wrong to judge people or their spirituality, based on their outward religious stuff, you know? Somebody can look really holy. We might judge them that way. Somebody's maybe not living quite as holy. We tend to say maybe they're not spiritual. That's a dangerous thing to do. We cannot tell a person's walk with God based on their outward external observances. It's not by what they eat or drink. What we've got to realize is reality is found in Christ. And you know, Christians disagree on a lot of external things. You know? Even about the day you worship and all that kind of stuff. We're not supposed to judge people based on that. Sixth one. How many did I tell you we had? Seven? But then I still got a conclusion. The sixth one's out of James chapter 4, verse 11. It's wrong to judge when it causes you to speak evil about another Christian. Anything that causes you to speak evil about another Christian that maybe ruins their reputation is wrong. We're supposed to, as Christians, love people even when they're doing wrong. kind of sad when the world looks at Christians and sometimes looks at it in terms of Christians are the only ones that will eat their own. And sometimes that's true, sad to say. Ephesians 4.29 says that we're supposed to speak positively, we're supposed to encourage, we're supposed to give those words that build each other up. And so as Christians, we, we should be known as our encouragement, not our criticism. And then the seventh thing that I see in Scripture is out of 1 Corinthians 4-5. Because everywhere Paul went, his motives were constantly being challenged. He was constantly being questioned. And Paul is saying, we have no right to judge other people's motives and question why they do what they do. It makes for some good gossip. But we're not supposed to do that. Paul tells us in this Corinthians passage, wait until the Lord comes. He's basically saying it's premature to judge people's motives. I mean, let's face it. We don't really know what's in each one of our hearts. We can guess, but we really don't know. We can't really judge anybody's motives, what they're doing. We don't know what's going on. So we got all that part of it done, okay? Now the next section, how do we break the habit of judging others? This is the whole reason you came this morning, right? Maybe not. Probably to get some sausage later on. I don't know. Remember this will be judged by the same standards that I use to judge other people. If you want something to help you be a little more considerate, look at Matthew 7, verses 1 and 2. It says, Do not judge others so that God will not judge you, for God will judge you in the same way you judge others, and He will apply to you the same rules you apply to others. That's kind of a scary passage. You know? makes us feel like we're in trouble sometimes, you know? The way that we judge others... The way that we judge others is the same way we're going to meter it out. We're going to get the same thing back. So if you want something to help you break the habit of criticizing about other people, remember whatever you're going to dish out is going to be dished back to you. You ever heard the saying, you sow what you reap? It's kind of a biblical concept in some respects. The second thing that you do is you remember that each of us is accountable to God. It says, every one of us then will have to give an account of himself to God, so then let us stop judging one another. Do you realize that you're not accountable to me? I'm not accountable to you? In the sense of every area of my life? But isn't that good? That's a good thing. But one day, we are all going to stand before God and God is going to know what our motives are. He's going to know what our heart is. And how is God going to judge? He's going to judge honestly. He's going to judge fairly. He's going to judge truthfully. It's not going to be based on any kind of heresy or rumors. It's not going to be on third-hand stuff that has been brought down. It's going to be based strictly on the facts and he's going to judge impartially. But we're going to have to give an account. So remember this, the third thing. Remember how much God has been merciful to you. James 2:13 says mercy triumphs over judgment. There is a principle that is greater than criticism. It's the principle of forgiveness. It's the principle of mercy. Jesus said, blessed are the merciful. Matthew 18, we see the story of the unforgiving servant. He owed, I'm going to throw out some figures here. He owes like $50,000 to his master. And his master forgives him. But then he goes out and he finds a guy that owes him five bucks. And he basically strangles the guy because he wouldn't pay him. So when the master hears about it, he takes that servant and says, if that's the way that you want to play the game, you're being very unforgiving, and so it's going to be unforgiving of you. The Bible says that we are to be merciful because God has given us so much mercy in our lives. The reason that you have to be so patient with me is because God is patient with you. Of course, we can turn it around. The reason I have to be patient with, with you is because God's been patient with me. But I like it the first way better. But uh, <laughs> It kind of comes down to, you know, If we wouldn't, if we all got what we deserved, none of us would be here today. It's all by God's grace. The sad part is, we try to take advantage of God's grace many times. We forget how good God's grace is. I think when you first become a Christian, you you become a little more aware and you're a little more excited about God's grace But we need to realize it's the most thrilling experience and you're really grateful for it the problem is the longer we tend to follow Christ the more we take Christianity for granted and, and that's too bad we shouldn't do that that's why we we're practicing communion this morning and it's not a meaningless ritual it's something that we're supposed to examine our lives before Christ to, to realize how much he has done for us. It's kind of like the boss who decides to give everybody in the company a $500 Christmas bonus. Unexpectedly. And everybody says, oh, such a nice guy, that's really great the second year he decides to do the same thing gives everybody a bonus without you know them anything but by the third year you've already spent that 500 expecting you're going to get it and what happens if he doesn't give you that bonus you're going to be upset because you're taking it for granted we become conditioned to be ungrateful. And if God has been gracious with us, we need to be gracious with other people. The most forgiving person is the most forgiven person. Don't you like that? The most forgiving person is the most forgiven person. Because it seems like once you've fallen and made mistakes and you've realized it and you've faced up to it, a lot of times you're a lot more sympathetic and open and forgiving and kind and loving to other people. You understand it just a little bit more. If we could somehow realize how much we have been forgiven by God, hopefully then we can realize how we can forgive others and realize that we all need help We all need to encourage. We need to reach out to each other and be the people that God has called us to be. So you're ready for your homework assignment? Are you sure? I want us to put into practice this principle. And I want you to remember a few weeks ago I had you think about a person that you struggled with in your life? I want you to think of the list of people that maybe you need to forgive. Because maybe you have judged them without really getting to know them. And think of it in terms of God has shown me this great mercy and forgiveness how can I show this person mercy and forgiveness as well? That's kind of a tough one, isn't it? You know, it's a good part about James. We're almost done with the book. <laughs> but then we're going to go into a series about what is God's grace all about. But I trust that we can be the most loving people because we have experienced the love of God and the, un- and the forgiveness that He's offered to each one of us. And I guess I just make that statement out here, if you've never experienced God's forgiveness in your life, this is the day that God's tugging at your heart saying, hey, I want to forgive you. I want to accept you. I want you to become part of the family. Today is that day. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you that we can be together. But Lord, this is just a really a tough subject, because we want to accept your forgiveness, but it's really tough for us to forgive other people. But Lord, you have called us to do it, and I just pray that here at Kersey Community Church, we will be a forgiving. Lord, I do pray that if there's anyone here that has never given their heart and life to you, I just pray right where they're sitting that they can just accept you, believe in you, and realize that you forgive. And Lord, even now as we have a time around the communion table, I just pray that we can really search our hearts and be thankful for the forgiveness that you've given us. And Lord, the sacrifice that you did so that we might have salvation and eternal life. So Lord, I just pray for this communion time, that it will be a time that we can just examine our hearts. And again, I thank you for your word today. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.